Thank you for listening to the Lunch Pail Guys podcast. If you enjoy the show and want to support us, the best ways are to leave a five-star review and subscribe on your favorite platform. And follow us on Twitter or Instagram at lunchpailguys underscore. And we are a go. We have been greenlit for the 127th week of the show. This is Jared with the full crew consisting of Lucas, Aiden, Barton, Wyatt. The Celtics and Nets are just wrapping up right now. Raptors Sixers are playing right now. And the Jazz and Mavericks are probably about to tip off as we speak. In today's episode, we've got your NBA and NFL fix. On Wednesday, we'll have your Formula One talk. And then on Thursday, we're going to have some MLB and a ranking of the worst uh, sports jerseys of all time. Let's start off, though, of course, with some news we missed. Uh, first, Luka Doncic, uh, one of my favorite players, returned in Game 4 and behind a 30-point double-double led the Mavericks straight to a loss against the Jazz, so that series is now tied up. Ja Morant today won the award for the NBA's most improved player. Congratulations to Ja. I'll say, I've said it before, I'll say it again. It's whack that a player can win Rookie of the Year and then Most Improved Player. That is like, there's no way they, they There's no way they improved that much from being the best person of their like age group to be like, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say when you like, oh, I saw that coming. Like Nobody yeah, exactly. didn't think that John Morant was going to be a superstar, right? Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So. Well, the Pelicans didn't. They drafted Zion. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> Pelicans are doing great for themselves, though. So, you know. True. Yeah. True. Well, without without him, too. So imagine if they had Jaw. Anyway. Um, I'm sure the, the 76ers and Nets were kicking themselves for... for picking up this player ben simmons who did not return for game four like he was speculated to which led to a barrage of criticism from former nba greats uh shack chuck and reggie miller notably all tnt so that's kind of funny um and Stephen a smith not a former nba great but definitely the the big voices <laughs> were going after ben simmons for sure any thoughts on that i mean Something yeah, that hasn't already been said. Yeah, I mean, honestly. I don't know. People are all... Stephen A was like, the Nets won the trade. When, like, <laughs> the entire city of Philadelphia could have told you that they didn't. Like, yeah. even though Harden has not been, like, lighting the world on fire, like, come on. Yeah. Nobody should be shocked by this happening. And again, I really do genuinely feel for him <clears> that this is some, like, big mental health issue. But if it's just him, like... I'm, what I'm assuming is him just, like, being soft, then I'm a little <laughs> less sympathetic to the whole situation. <laughs> yeah. The trouble is we might never know. That's what bothers yeah, me. Exactly. But like, I, I think people raise a good point when they say he was not hurt at all the last game he played, and now he's magically been hurt this whole season. It's a little weird. Yeah. I saw a tweet that had, like, a ton of likes. I was like, I bet my back hurts more than Ben said. It's just from sleeping wrong last night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's been some good tweets for sure. I said that the Lakers season was the greatest sports I told you so in the history of I told you so. I think this might be the greatest sports I told you so in the history of I told you so with just the way that Ben Simmons has reacted um, all year. No shock. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Some football news. The NFL draft is on Thursday (laughs) when the second episode this week releases. And 
Now Georgia defensive end Trayvon Walker is expected to be the first overall pick, kind of out of nowhere, a little bit out of nowhere, mm-hmm. let's be honest, when it seemed like it was either going to be Aiden Hutchinson or another offensive lineman. Uh, so we'll see what happens on Thursday. Stay tuned. <laughs> sure, we'll be tweeting a little bit. Um, yeah. Yep. In other news, Wyatt, the New York Giants are fielding trade offers for Kadarius Tony. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> if we trade Kadarius Tony, <laughs> I think in two years there will be nothing to show for the Dave Gettleman era of the New York Giants. Saquon will probably be gone. Daniel Jones will probably be gone. Uh, we'll have Andrew Thomas, but without Kadarius Tony, like, like Nate Solder was our big splash free agency move. He's gone. You know, any impact player that he that we've spent money on, they're not impactful or they're gone. And we would have <laughs> wasted three or four years having Dave Gettleman as a GM if Kadarius Tony does not play for us. However, I'm just gonna say he's in the building today. I saw a, they tweeted a picture. He's in the building. Maybe it was just to scare them. Uh, kind of light a little fire underneath him because he was shooting music videos instead of being at workouts. So mm. you have to go you into know. the building to, to clear out your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little morbid yeah. for the Giants. He was if you're a Canaries Tony fan. Um, our MLB news we missed. Miguel Cabrera joined the 3,000 hit club over this past week. Congratulations to Miggy. Hey. Considered one of the maybe the best peer hitter of this generation. Honestly, though, you cannot hate Miggy, I feel like. So, well, for mm-hmm. this. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's get into our main subjects here, though. Um, one of the dominant storylines of the first round has been the arrival, quote unquote, unquote, of young guards like Jordan Poole, Anthony Edwards, and Tyrese Maxey. Let's start with the pool party that's going on over in Golden State right now, though. Um, he's put up. And a pretty efficient to 30, 29, and 27 points uh, in the first three games. Then I didn't pull up game four stats. Sorry about that. Um, but <laughs> Aiden, how many more seasons until Jordan Poole is considered a superstar? And then second question, which player is a good comparison to Poole? Or like what is his trajectory, you think? Yeah. Yeah, I'm always a little bit scared to jump on the superstar train right away. It is pretty crazy, though, how quickly he's progressed. Like... When you look back at the reaction when he was drafted, I saw a video this week of some CBS sports analyst when the Warriors picked him, was emphatically saying that it was the worst pick of the draft. Um, <laughs> it said his ceiling was a rotation player. His like draft day comparison was Wayne Ellington. So not really who you want to be, I guess, uh, have be your, your big comparison. But anyway, he's, he's made leaps and bounds. Like his rookie year, he was pretty, pretty mad. He shot 33% from the field. He was 90th out of 94 shooting guards in PER. He spent a bunch of time in the G League. Mm. And also in his sophomore year, he spent time in the G League. But then he kind of turned it around starting with the end of last year. And he's a fairly complete scorer. He can drive and penetrate. He's pretty good for mid-range. Obviously a good three-shooter, though. He can improve there, too. So, like, he's he's not at his ceiling there yet. Um, Because I think he just shot, like, 36% from three this year. And he leads the league in free throw percentage, so he's obviously got a good stroke. You just gotta um, refine that three stroke, maybe. But anyway, like as a guy who's only 22, that's that is a steal for the Warriors with the, I think the 29th pick or whatever. Uh, so I initially approached the segment as I kind of opened with saying that I'm skeptical of him ever being a superstar. Um, but that said, it's clear that the playoff streak isn't like a flash in the pan. He averaged 25 a game. 
um, in March, I think, and shot 44% from three. So this wasn't, this isn't just like a one-time thing. He keeps getting better. But that said, I think he's on track to be like an all-star in a year or two. I'm still, I'm not going to waver on the superstar thing yet. I think there are probably like eight or nine superstars in the league. It's it's strong for me to go there um, yet. But anyway, I think in terms of trajectory, trajectory, if I can say that word, <laughs> he tracks to me as like a, uh, a CJ or a Zach Levine to some degree. Both had like slowish starts to their NBA career. And then in year three, they really came on strong. They're good shooters who can also um, also playmakers. And um, in terms of like an even more modern comparison, I realize those are two modern guys I mentioned, but he's kind of Tyler Hero-esque at times also. Mm. I, I can see like that kind of um, comparison too. So regardless, bright future ahead of him. Um, excited to watch him. But I think I'm not ready for the superstar label yet or to say that he will be in the future. I'm going to go even further than Aiden. I think we're really collectively mm-hmm. overreacting to the last month of Poole's mm-hmm. play. Like, he's been really good, but I think we're, like, discounting a few things, especially in this playoff run. One, the Nuggets are not that good of a team. Like, they have one really good player who they also put on the bench for the last possession last time. So, clearly, like, not making that much of an impact. Uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. But even so, I mean, they have one really, really good player, but they're not collectively a great team. Two, he's... On a team where the spacing is incredible because he's playing mm-hmm. with two of probably the three greatest shooters ever mm-hmm. on that team. So he's going to have a lot of spacing, a lot of openings. And then if you just look at his numbers this year, like I know he had a good March where he averaged 25 or more points. Um, but he averaged 18-4-4 four four this year. That's like good. That's a solid NBA player. But that doesn't in any way to me indicate somebody who is on superstar or even all-star trajectory. He was 114th in PER this year. Which is not, I don't think, again, the numbers of, like, a guy who's on track to be a superstar. And I think, again, he'll be... He's, he's a good player who will find good rotation minutes on a good team and can score when the number one guys are on the bench and can sort of fill in those minutes. But I don't think he's ever going to be, like, a ton more than that. And this is, like, I'm sure he's, like, you know, a good guy or whatever, but I think we're really just collectively overreacting. I heard he's a terrible to, like, guy. That's uh, <laughs> Or, or collectively overreacting to, like, a good month on, like, one of the best coach teams with two of the best shooters ever in history that he's playing with. Okay, well, let me throw out a comparison for you here. This guy also came into a very well-established team with one of the greatest coaches in NBA history and is now today considered a superstar. His name is Kawhi Leonard. This is where I see, not in play style, but in terms of situation, this is what I see for Jordan Poole. Kawhi Leonard, he... um. Did not make an all-star team until his fifth season. Granted, and I think he's similar to Jordan Poole in that people see the potential in Poole before he's become a star, which, like, when you're an all-star, I think in a, in a certain sense you can be considered a star at that point. Kawhi Leonard, like, he won a Defensive Player of the Year award. He won an NBA title before he ever was even an all-star. And if you look at his stat line in his third season, for example, like, yes, most of his work was done on the defense, but, like, 12 points a game, six rebounds, you know, not really that impressive, right? And then you look at Jordan Poole, who in some ways you can say is definitely ahead of that, right? Um, and I think I think the cap for Jordan is still going to be Clay Thompson level in, until Steph Curry like really starts falling off because you're you're like you're you can only shine so bright when you're next to somebody like Steph Curry, I think. And he still is playing at a pretty high level, obviously. Um, but like I said, Kawhi developed pretty slowly. 
Jordan Poole might slowly develop as well and might be ready to take over that mantle once like Curry's 34 already. He's only 3 years younger than LeBron, which I actually didn't mm-hmm. even realize. And he's he's pretty brittle. He's broken down quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So I think um I think honestly he has I think he has a pretty good shot. I'm going to I'm going to ride the the Jordan Poole train. I'm going to get get in the pool party. <laughs> I'm with Jared. Why, why? what do you think? I don't see why you couldn't be optimistic about a guy like Jordan Poole and I know that, look, I think it's a flash in the pan right now so far. I mean, he's shooting 60% from the field in the playoffs. <laughs> like that, That's going to be an incredibly hard number for him to sustain over the course of an entire season, of course, over the course of a year. But I don't see why he can't be one of the, let's say, one of the 12 better players in the league and definitely one of the six better guards in the league. I see a little bit of Paul George offensively for him. Um, I see some Jordan Clarkson, and I'm thinking more. He's probably more on the line of D'Angelo Russell, who I think is a star. Maybe some people might not say for is a superstar, but on a given year, I would I would take a D'Angelo Russell. I think he can be the second or third best guy on a team for the next two years, and then after that, I think Jared, you're right. Uh, let Let's hope for Kawhi Leonard. Let's let him get to that level, learn from some superstars. And then of course, by the time he's, I don't know even how old he is right now. Let's say by the time he's 27, like he's, why, why can't he run a championship level team? Because like, I don't think he's shown that he can run a championship level team at this point. But no, I think he's, he's lived up to the big moments. That's what champions are made of. He's lived up to the big moments. Whenever they need him, whenever his number is called, he's done it and he's doing it well. I, I don't like the thing I like about him is, He's not a volume scorer. He is a very efficient scorer, which is an area where both Steph and Clay have succeeded before in years past. He's been an efficient scorer in the playoffs so far. Uh, this season, he wasn't. That He's young. Efficient. Right. No, I. I just. I think Lucas is right, though. The, the biggest thing for me is to. I want to wait and see more of this next year, the year after that, as the Warriors decline and he becomes more of a focal point. I think it's. It, this could easily be a, a, a red herring kind of few set of games or month even. Yeah. yeah. Well, you always look better when you're cautious. That's for sure. Um, and let's go over. <laughs> <let's>, <laughs> Jared, do you want to make a big bet on this? Like I'm just, MVP I'm just saying. I'm just years, saying. Then. You're cautious, then, <laughs> and he, and it turns out you're like, oh, oh well, I missed that boat. But if you're cautious, you hey, ah, I told you so. Anyway, let's go. <laughs> let's go over to. Uh, the Ant Man over in Minnesota, Bart, uh, is Anthony Edwards. So he he he's had a pretty good series. He's averaging I think like twenty five points a game. He put up um, thirty plus in his first game. Is Anthony Edwards ahead of schedule? And who is another good comparison for him and his potential? Yeah, so I I don't think I'm willing to say he's ahead of schedule. I think where I'm going to put this is he is simply on schedule. He is basically right where you would hope for him to be. When I when I hear this question, my thought is like, okay, let's evaluate him against other first overall picks because that's where he went. That seems the like the fairest thing to do. So I took a look at it, comparing him in his second season to other first overall guards and small forwards. I excluded big men because it seems a little bit less relevant. So that means Ben Simmons, Andrew Wiggins, Kyrie John Wall, and D Rose, Markel Fultz is an exception, so I didn't count him. And obviously, Cade is only a rookie, so he's, he can't go. So then, looking at that, he's right there. He's right where you'd want to be. He's scoring more in his second season than four of those five guys. Only Kyrie did better. 
He's shooting more efficiently than four of those five guys. Only Ben Simmons did better. He's out-rebounding four of those five guys. Again, only Ben Simmons. And he's also been like quite clutch, which I think is a, an important aspect of being a first overall pick. You expect them to be that guy, you know, quote-unquote. And so like, in, in the fourth quarter, he's been scoring right up there with the top of those guys. And his playoffs, I mean, obviously he's only had, like, what, four games right now, but his playoffs point, points per game are pretty close to Deros and Kyrie in their second season as well. So I think he's he's been he's like and he's a shooting guard also. Remember that. So like he is getting in his second season he's been out assisted by all but Wiggins. <laughs> I just love Wiggins slander so much. But it makes sense cuz the other four guys are all point guards. So that is one aspect of his game that you'd like to see him work more on. But I think as a shooting guard basically he's putting up exactly the kind of numbers you'd hope for for from a first overall pick. Um and then there's also like the more uh, like abstract thing, which is just like he's a dog. His confidence is like off the charts. You can tell when he's on the court. Even though Cat is clearly the better player, Ant is the more confident guy. I think, and he's like super comfortable taking the ball up the court late in playoff games. You know, in clutch moments, things like that. Which I think is also an important thing. For a comparison, two people who came to mind, and these are a little bit, uh, I guess, m- more high level, less modern. T Mac and Dwayne Wade are the two that I think are relevant. I think T Mac is a good example because. Uh, one thing that Edwards does really well is is shoot threes pretty well. Dwayne Wade was an awful three point shooter, whereas T Mac I think is a better example of that. And they're also like kind of similar in just like the fluidity of their play style and kind of like their the smoothness that they exhibit on the court. With Wade, I see it because he's like they are both super explosive physically. They both have that silky smooth jump shot, uh, and they both are just like killer drivers slash slashers to the rim. So I think their kind of offensive styles are probably a little bit more similar. Uh, and I could see him getting, you know, to that level in his career for either of them. I mean, if he could play as well as Dwayne Wade did over his career, then the Timberwolves would be super happy. Obviously, I'm not going to go and say that he will be like a guaranteed Hall of Famer, but so far, so good, I think, for Ann. Yeah. I think he's like proven wrong, all those people that were like, he doesn't even want to be here, like at the beginning of like, <laughs> right after he was drafted, which in hindsight seems like ridiculous to like that people were even making that claim and stuff like that because he's very clearly super invested like you said super confident and just is like an absolute dog like yeah it's really great to see his development got that dog in him mm-hmm. when you're the heart of a team i think that that's valuable yeah for sure he's it's also like a, a media media stud his quotes are always so much fun which is, has to count for something and he named his dog he named his dog anthony edwards jr <laughs> i love that so much uh-huh. all right not enough to talk about him more though um let's move on though to our <laughs> let's move on to yeah, our i want to talk now Jared. our talk last athlete fire. here uh lucas's guy tyrese Maxey. Uh, Lucas, is he talented enough to be the best player on a championship team? And who's a good par- who is a good comparison to his potential? So I'm going to go with a soft no on him being the best player on a championship team. I don't think he quite dominates the game in every phase um, the way that a guy needs to to be like the number one on a championship team. Um, his defense and distribution, especially for a guard, are just okay. He's not a great rebounder. But that being said, I think he can develop into a really good like 1B on a championship team who will probably make a few all-star games and uh, flirt with All-NBA. So I'll t- start with two comparisons, though, for him. One, wildly optimistic. One, I think, a little bit more grounded. 
I think the wildly optimistic one is Allen Iverson. Um, I think all the intangibles are pretty similar. They're both great scorers, super quick um, and small, and find ways to get to the basket. Um, he might not be quite as good a defender as AI, um, who's consistently at or near the top of the league and steals every single year, but I think that that's something that can develop in his game, too. And I think just, like, his intangibles, the way he plays the game, are super similar to AI. Plus, he's a better three-point shooter than AI ever was um, already at this point in his career. Um, the second one, which I think is maybe a little bit more realistic and sort of fits into that 1B model, um, and one I've heard thrown around a lot, is Tony Parker. Um Super similar player, player profile again. Quick, small guards who can get to the basket. Really high energy, effective on good teams. Um, and I think uh, sort of he, like, he can pair nicely with Embiid in a similar way that Parker did with Duncan throughout their career. Like I think that's a good model for them going forward and succeeding. Um, so overall, I think Maxi has a super bright future as a guy who will probably, again, make a few all-star teams, flirt with All-NBA, um, and adopts like a Parker-esque role in being... Uh, a good one be on a championship team when paired with a dominant big man. I think the one thing that Tyrese Maxey has going for him that we, we we talked about it with Jordan Poole and we said, well, when you play on one of the better floor spacing teams, you know, in the league, and I know he plays along Joel and alongside Joel Embiid, but at least James Harden has not been playing spectacularly, and we can clearly envision Tyrese Maxey more in a 1B role than we can Jordan Poole because he's number three or four on a, on a given yeah. night, you know, as far as pecking order goes. I think a comp for Tyrese Maxey is James Harden. Like, Houston Rockets, James Harden. Uh, I'm, I, I'm Lucas Guilty. I'm watching his highlights just to kind of remind myself here how uh, fantastic he is. And I think the, a part of his game that's underrated is some of his passing ability and it looks like some of his playmaking. And I think that if he were to be more focused in like a bring the ball down uh, top of the key type guard where it's him and Joel Embiid as far as pecking order goes, I could absolutely see him being, you know, like you said, like the one B, like the, 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 the best star on a given night or the second best star on a given night, depending on, on how well Joel Embiid plays. Um, and I think <clears throat> for a guy, he's 6'3", 200. Uh, he looks rather small, you know, on on screen, and I think if you were to add some to his frame and try to buckle down on the defensive end, that's what would make him a superstar. I, I think offensively, it's we we really love offense. We love talking about how great Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are as the two most skilled players in the league. But the reason why I think Jason Tatum has ascended to superstardom um, is because of his willingness to play defense, and I think that's the same with Giannis. That is the, was the same with Kawhi and Paul George during their their run. I think that it's incredibly underrated, even though we love offense. If Maxi were to buckle down, add a little bit to his frame, say I'm going to become a better defender, not the best defender in the league, just a better wing defender, I think he's a superstar. I think he's James Harden plus. Yeah, I think the the thing you mentioned too about like his distribution and passing being underrated too. Um, is that that part of his game has sort of taken a little bit of a hit just because the Sixers have gotten Harden. So, like, before Harden came in, like, he was the main ball handler, and now Harden has sort of taken over that role. So I think, like, when Harden leaves the Sixers, whether that be this summer, probably more likely in a year or two, um, like, and Maxi sort of slots into that Harden role, like, I could see him agree. Like, I'm agreeing with you, Wyatt, too, that, like, he could fill that role in, like, a very similar way. Okay, well, if we're comparing these three players, though, Lucas, I'll go back to you. How do you rank these? How do you rank these players? 
I think it's probably Edwards Maxi Pool. Right now or, or projections? You can however you want to define it. I think, I think Ed, yeah, for both. I think Edwards is a pretty clear one for me. I'm not sure about two and three. Mm. Like Edwards is already that guy. Like as Bart said, like Cat is the best player on that team, but Edwards is already the guy taking the final shot, I feel like to some degree, where he's the guy who's gonna be holding the ball at the at the end of the game. The other two, I don't know. I don't know yet. Yeah. Pool and, and Pool and like Maxi have a super that. similar stat line. Like almost yeah. exactly the mm-hmm. same. In terms of like you can look at a lot of stuff. Yeah, I know I said um Pool was hundred fourteenth <laughs> in PER this year. Um and you said against him, but Maxi was hundred and thirteenth. <laughs> so we're only one place there you go. apart That's from funny. each other. Um but yeah. I don't that's know. how you use stat. That's how you use stats, though. You just wield them how they work. How they yeah. work in the moment. <laughs> I mean, I say the Sixers are currently on course to be the first yeah. in NBA history to blow a three. Oh my goodness! All right, uh, so calm down. Yeah. <laughs> the famous well, Lucas pessimism, right there. Uh, listen, <laughs> Doc Rivers. If any coach was ever going to do that's it, that's true. It would be you Doc do. Rivers. I I didn't account for that actually. That's true. Yeah. All right, though we're we're gonna move on to uh, a little finding Debo here. The versatile Forty Niners wideout has requested a trade. He's entering the final year of his rookie contract, and he wants a deal that would make him the most valuable non-quarterback in the league. Wyatt, the floor is yours to take this wherever you want. Jared, this situation is obviously very mysterious. Uh, it's a lot deeper than it originally seems on the surface. And it kind of has your head scratching a little bit um, <clears throat> on on where where things got to this point. This is more than just a simple disagreement between Debo and the front office. Uh, <clears throat> he doesn't want to play in the hybrid role. Um, they, there's been reports that they have made him offers and he has declined. And it seems he has a pure lack of interest in being in the state of California. <laughs> he doesn't train in the state of California. He trains down in Miami. He wants to be more in the South towards his family, per reports. Uh, obviously, for you could you could make tax reasons. California is not exactly the place to live right now. Uh, you'd rather live in Florida, no tax. And so they're not lowballing him. They're not giving him a bad offer. Maybe there's some part of that where he wants to um, make more, but they're not like disrespecting him. But I don't think the 49ers should be heartbroken about having to trade Debo Samuel. The wide receiver position recently has presented itself as the second most important position on offense outside of a quarterback. And uh, players like Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill have obviously cashed in on that financially. They're making $25 million per year. But the guys at the top of the pay chain, same with uh, Stefan Diggs, who got paid. I mean, they've been doing this for six years. Like, this is their third contract, and paying Debo after 8 to 10 weeks of elite production, $25 million per year, can hold some reservations for a team. And it's not a knock on his potential or his talent, um, because I think he has the ability to become a top five guy in the league. But without the hybrid role, there's no way, if I'm the 49ers, I would pay him $25 million a year right now. DK Metcalf has 29 receiving touchdowns over the course of his career. He's also in a holdout. Not in a holdout, but he's in the same position. 
Terry McLaurin has 16 receiving touchdowns over the course of his career. He's going to be in a holdout. Debo has 10. He has 19 less than DK. He has 16 less than Terry McLaurin. As a peer wide receiver who he wants to be, DK and Terry McLaurin are better. And if he's not going to play the hybrid role, which I totally understand, like if you're running back, no running back is, is sniffing $25 million per year. But to be the most important non-quarterback on your on a team, he's not the most important non-quarterback on the 49ers. They have Trent Williams. They have Nick Bosa. They have George Kittle as far as guys who are more important than him. And if you're not going to play the hybrid role, I'm not giving you $25 million. I understand your your stance, but I don't. If I if a team uh, like the 49ers decides that they're going to ship them out, I'm going to take my two first round picks, and I'm not losing any sleep over it. Yeah, I think the problem that a lot of people have pointed out with this offseason particularly is uh, the Christian Kirk Jaguars deal where he got paid like $74 million, I want to say, over four years. And he, I think with various incentives, it could even be over $80 million. So now you have to compare that against that where every – it's kind of like the quarterback. I, I guess it's turned into the quarterback market in a way where every new deal just resets the price where like Dak Prescott, I love him. He's probably, he's definitely not worth what his contract is though. A lot of like Jimmy G even right on their team, not probably not worth his contract either, but you have to pay them just cause that's what the market rate is. It's not, it's not even, it's not about what you're worth, but like what I, what you can get in, in a certain sense this time around. So yeah, I also agree Wyatt that, he did kind of like burst onto the scene. It's a Jordan Poole situation. He burst onto the scene, and we would want to see more more of a sample size from here. I would take DK over him for sure, like you said. By the way, if he doesn't want to, if he wants to play somewhere without tax, he can come to Seattle. So, we, Seahawks would love him. <laughs> <laughs> the Seahawks would love him. They Drew Lock needs all the help he can get. So, um, yeah. Malik Willis needs all the help he can get. Yeah, <laughs> Malik Willis, I should say. <laughs> As, uh, Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> what about the yeah. Jets, Aiden? They're apparently deep in the talks for this right now. Dude, I do not want that. The Jets are not a good wide receiver away from any anything nearing contention. They're just not. And they blow their entire future for it. Because I think the 49ers are going to be, yeah, they're going to be expecting a Tyreek-like package probably, right? Especially given that how much leverage the Niners have as, yeah. Uh, like, Debo is still under control for two more years, technically, right? If they tag him. Right, I think, it, yeah, they could do yeah. three more with tags. Yeah, and, like, apparently if Debo, since he's not reporting to mandatory camp, he loses an accrued season, so he would be a restricted free agent of next season rather than unrestricted like it's he's the 49ers have all the leverage here um so it just really feels like they'll need a huge offer to blow them away and the jets god please do not give that like huge pick 10, you know market breaking pick 10 is offer. tied is tied to debo oh. right now i know i know right. not worth it not worth it obviously it wouldn't just be pick 10 if it was just pick 10 maybe um, that's, <laughs> that's not the world we live in. So. I would. If it was just pick ten, heck yeah. That's why. Yeah, but it's not just picked up. It would definitely yeah. be at least another first rounder and some mid round picks. 
Does Debo have a top five upside? Does anyone think that Debo can be a top five wide, wide peer wide receiver in the league without the hybrid role? Yeah, I think or, so. I think wide wide receivers yeah. are like like a good wide receiver season is like it can come from anywhere. I honestly wide receivers are just like a dime a dozen nowadays. A good wide receiver. People are putting wow. up crazy numbers all the time now just because the way the league is structured. Yeah. So yeah, I think any I mean, given he season up, he definitely yeah. could be. I also he put up like a consistent besides piece. the hybrid role, he put up fourteen hundred yards last Devontae year. Adams, right? Stephon Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins. No matter what the Jets oh. throw on us though, all five of us will be back next week. That is gonna do it for this episode. Uh, please go ahead and follow us on Instagram at lunchpillguys underscore. Uh, same thing with our Twitter. Follow, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us on Spotify. Leave a review, please. We really appreciate it. We will see you in the next episode.